1: Today on the show, we continue our Heinick and Blue Book discussion with David O'Leary, the creator and writer of the television series, Project Blue Book.
0: You ever hear of Project Blue Book? That's the Air Force
1: program to investigate flying saucers. I don't trust the Air Force. Neither do we. We don't work for them.
2: We work for you, the people. And that's why we're here.
0: This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Spread.
1: I am here with david o'leary last time we spoke was right before the premiere of season one of project blue book and that was a hell of a first season man oh, let's <laughs> say well, that thanks
2: man thank you it's great to be here
1: it's good to have you back i mean i was so excited when i first got you and sean on um before season one even premiered and we're going full throttle into season two <laughs> we'll get to that but um i gotta mention too you were a uh, you're awarded the number one drama series on cable television. That's crazy. yeah. How does that feel? Yes. Yeah. Well, we were the number one new cable drama series. Okay. I,
2: okay. You know, I, I never want to you know toot our own horn about anything that isn't true. But, it's it, very uh, but yes, level. no, it's it's a real it's a real, it's. Listen, it it blew us away how the how the show was received, Um, you know, and, you know, we just got, uh, you know, we were able to hold our audience for the for the first episode for season two. We just saw some of those numbers, which is really exciting. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where you're never quite sure if it's going to connect, if it's going to work. You know, it's a period piece about UFOs and about, you know, a real life government program and about uh, a cover up and about a conspiracy and. You know, you hope you hope there's an audience out there. I think the I think the thing that can sometimes scare people is that it's a you know, when we were shopping the show, it's like we love it. We think it's cool. But it's like, ooh, period, you know, 1950s. That's that's a little hard, yeah. you know. But then fortunately, we, you know, we history, of course, like came on board and they are like the perfect home for this, not only because of their own history with. You know, exploring UFO phenomena and their various you know documentary series and then unscripted programming, but they also in their scripted programming are are looking strictly at scripted historical scripted co- content, mm-hmm. and uh, and then so it, it ended up being a great fit.
1: Yeah, and I think too like two things. First of all, like. I think people crave period pieces now because, you know, kind of, not to get into like politics or anything like that, but the world we live in, everyone's yes. looking for something that was way back when, when things seemed to be, you know, easier. Yeah. And, and, I know. So well hey man i just read
2: like you know like the there's something called the doomsday clock which is a a a, a clock that scientists you know it's a metaphorical clock that scientists use and and other historians use to kind of judge how close are we to like nuclear war and it's the closest it's been i think it's even a little bit closer they said it's a hundred minutes to midnight (sighs) uh and we were two minutes to midnight midnight you know meaning like you know sayonara yeah um and uh in 1953, uh, you know, so it's it's yeah, you know, it's a, it's a crazy there's some crazy parallels between sort of the 50s and today, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, another thing I know you guys, you and Sean sort of when you when you talk about the show is, you know, come for the drama, stay for the UFOs. And I think that's important. too. Yeah. is Again, we're focusing on a drama. This is not a documentary. Uh, so we'll get Correct. to that. And we'll get to the UFO yes. purists a little later. But <laughs> Yes,
2: yes, yes. Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: But uh, so I got to ask, in terms of season two, Dave, did you have kind of like a blueprint or idea where the story was heading before – you even knew you were getting a season two. Like how does that work in television?
2: Yeah, sure. We had some broad strokes, you know, Sean and I, the way we usually do it, we did this in season one too. Like I had written a show Bible that um, kind of mapped out the vision for the show, the vision for the series had some big ideas. Like, you know, like we were always going to end in the DC UFO wave of 1952, like as our, as our cliffhanger at the end of, you know, episode 10 of season one and stuff like that. And for season two, sort of did the same thing. Like we got together you know, we we discussed ideas. We put things on the board. We, we 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 you know we we mapped out cases we we loved, and we always wanted to do Roswell. But we, you know, the show starts you know five you know five years after in season one, five years after the Roswell incident mm-hmm. has occurred, and now we're picking it up, and it's like
3: six years after it's occurred. Good evening. I'm General James Harding from the United States Air Force. And we're here tonight live from Roswell, New Mexico. I want to talk to you about a rumor that's been circulating again about a mysterious crash that's happened here in the desert. But I'm here to tell you, the
2: American people, that it's just a hoax. Harding silencing Roswell again. Not if we're here. It took us a little time to kind of figure out what's, what's the right way to do that story. We're not going to fake. It's too famous a case. You can't pretend that, you know, Roswell didn't happen in 1947. It happened in 1953. So what we ended up doing is we sort of the answer, the answer that we ended up finding was, uh, was actually Roswell itself because we started to think about, okay, like everything we've read, everything we know about Roswell, this is a, a town that was silenced, you know, that was, that was forced into secrecy and then we were like well what if just like eventually that did happen what if like witnesses started to talk what if somebody came forward with with evidence threatening to expose it to the world and then our guys had to go in there and examine it as a bit of a quote unquote cold case and you know a, and and then follow these breadcrumbs that then we could layer in all the really cool things that actually did happen in Roswell and once we had that breakthrough, everyone got really excited and we're like, okay, I think we think we know how to do Roswell. And we and you know, we we actually tried to cram our two our two parter into one episode and Oof. it was like <laughs> it was this like mega outline and we're like, oh my God, like how are we gonna do this? And then we kind of realized, wait, what if we split this in half and actually do a two parter, do it almost like a like a movie and a big bit of an event and do a part one and a part two, which was something new for us also mm-hmm. but we felt that you know when you're dealing with something like roswell you gotta pay it the respect it deserves and not just kind of breeze through it and we you know every every little twist and turn all those like clues that they follow those are all inspired and based off real you know um moments and events that we learned and would circle when we were reading various books about the subject so you know it's it's really uh, a a honor to like able to tell obviously it's our version of Roswell but we we really do try to weave in as much of the real life you know reports and what witness witness statements and alleged events that occurred there as we possibly can.
1: I mean you guys hit every beat uh, in terms of like kind of the the main points of contention in Roswell you know you got the crash you got the cover-up you you hit on some of the uh explanations of what actually happened we won't give those away but um
2: right right right
1: you guys Yeah. yeah You, you you had a challenge and I you know when when your first ads came around and all us UFO people saw the smoking flying saucer behind Heine and Quinn we were like, "Oh God, they jumped right. the shark but right. uh, of course, just like you guys did in season one, I think you surprised a lot of people and the way you structured it and told the story, I loved it, man. I I, I have oh, to say thanks. that. Right. Yeah.
2: Thank you, man. I appreciate. I'm sorry. There's like a barking dog. Walking Not button. at all. For but uh, everyone. Uh,
1: but I. I everyone I, knows I you're appreciate. outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm outside right now. Sky yeah, hear, like, the past. I'm in LA, and there's I'm outside at a at a at a friend's house right now. But I really <laughs> wanted to do this this podcast. Oh, thanks, and, and um and uh yeah well, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I mean exactly. And like I you know I think some of the things that worried me early on is like occasionally I would see people being like oh they're like they're making Roswell happen in the 50s it's uh, you know like what are they doing they've jumped the shark too. I thought that too. you know Hello. and no 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 we will never you know as, as far as you know we can try we will never especially with something as important as Roswell do that you know <laughs> it, it will be we will come at it sideways we will you know and then I was happy to see like you know in the trailers they got you know six years ago in there and I was like okay good at least people now know that like we're not pretending <laughs> it didn't happen six years ago Phew, you know yeah. um, and I think and you know we're always trying to do with the show is like not everything you see is what it appears to be and i won't go i won't spoil it just because only episode one has aired so far but Mm -hmm. like you know even with some of the more you know like the moment you're talking about the 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 crash saucer in the at the intersection downtown roswell essentially you know there's 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 more there's more than meets the eye there in terms of what's really going on so yeah (laughs) um and then and then it keeps going from there you know and and we answer that pretty quickly In the second episode, and then we and then we we delve back into some of the even better and more interesting aspects of a real life case.
1: Another thing that stuck out to me in the uh, season premiere, the two parter, is uh, the the relationship with Heineck and Quinn. I mean, knowing you were getting another season to sort of flesh out these characters, how was it to explore the whole? partner you know sort of buddy buddy thing and writing for these two guys again
2: oh man so much so much easier in some respects and so much more fun also just in that we know the actors that we're writing to you know what i mean i mean we were casting the show we were breaking many episodes in the room before we fully had our cast up and running and certainly like when i wrote the pilot like had no idea who we were going to cast and so once you've seen the show and worked in the show and seen the episodes as many times as we have you know it's in your dna and in your bones so it's like when you're writing a quinn line or you're writing a Heineck line you're just picturing aiden or michael doing it you look flush sunburn
3: i'm gonna get cheeseburger you want a cheeseburger
2: did you hear anything that i said
3: thanks for your help
2: i believe i just pointed at him you're the one who ran It makes it a lot more I think it helps us become become more nuanced because we we know what we have and we know the the art the arsenal we have of our great actors and like kind of the tools in our toolbox to be like oh he's gonna kill this line he's gonna do it this way and, and then of course your actors surprise you and they make it even better right. honestly like these guys you could could read the phone book i mean like they they really can take any line and turn it into something great so we are writing as is so elevated by what they bring as actors it's unbelievable
1: it really is i mean i i was talking to paul heineck yesterday and the <laughs> oh, one yeah. thing we kept circling back to is the performances in this show i mean it's it's amazing how they have crawled into the skin of these actual people or amalgamations of different people in involved with Blue Book and uh, yeah, really, I mean, they, they just seem so much more comfortable with one another now. Um, yes. And yes. That, that's where and that, I could see yeah. it going, you know, that trust they're building
2: that's right and what's kind of great is like you know michael and aiden didn't have a relationship prior to the show you know what i mean so they'd never worked together just like on the show that just as like their characters in the show had never worked together and then over time gradually their characters develop a deep respect and a friendship and all that kind of stuff and that is very very true for michael and aiden as well so like i felt it right away i mean they say they like they slipped right back into their characters i couldn't believe it i was like uh. You know, and B, there is like a both on the show and in real life. There's just such a more of a a, a great uh, ease between the two of them. They really know each other. They, I mean, they know each other. You know, like really well, you know. I mean, how many times are they just sitting in, like, you know, that, like, you know, in the green tent or whatever, you know, in the black tent, like waiting, waiting, waiting in between takes, you know, just, Mm -hmm. just, you know, so they, they know each other extremely well. So hopefully that shows up on screen too. And they're a lot of fun to write to and their, their banter and all that kind of stuff is, is just as fun as when they get into big squabbles and fights and, and all that stuff, which they do as well.
1: Yeah. I love, I love that about these two. Um, well, another one of the people I want to talk about in terms of writing is, uh, yeah, The character of Mimi, she's becoming a bigger player in the show. Yes. And you get that from the Roswell two-parter. Could you tell us a little maybe about developing sure.
2: her character this season? Yeah, well, you know, we wanted to take Mimi in a new direction. Like the Susie storyline, while it most definitely does come back into Mimi's life, she's also on a new path. Mm-hmm. You know, we wanted – the real-life Mimi Hynek got very involved in her husband's work, and we wanted to – honor that and start to move her in those directions. So we we also were fascinated by the fact that in the early 1950s, these real life UFO, you know, civilian UFO groups began sprouting up. And we thought that that could be an exciting new way in which she could delve into a world that was very much a part of UFOs and a part of our show and our world in the 1950s. But, you know, and, and give her a new agency to kind of come at the cover-up and the conspiracy and UFO phenomena in a completely different way in a, in a way that was more accessible for someone like her who is, you know, not a government employee and who, um, you know what I mean, is, is just a yeah, civilian but who yeah. has seen behind the looking glass and has seen too much and knows that her husband's onto something. And and so she's trying to assist and help out in that way. And it's kind of cool because we get to see these sort of grassroots early UFO groups that are sort of sprouting up where they – you know, where they were, um, you know, on the same on the same searches as, as Heinick was in many right. ways, just just without some of the resources, you know, and having to kind of do all this research for themselves. You know, there's a line early on where and in, in, in I think it's in the pilot where like Evan, who's the name of the civilian UFO Group leader says, you know, like we are dangerous and the government knows we're dangerous. And that was true. I mean, the CIA really was concerned with these civilian UFO groups. So, you know, for a number of reasons, probably Paramount being A, these are grassroots civilian UFO groups that are claiming not only that like UFOs exist, but that the government is lying to the American public about this phenomenon and those kinds of ideas that your government is lying to you those ideas, those ideas spread, then of course, that's very dangerous if you work for the federal for the federal government. So it's a fun sort of avenue that we get to explore this season. And we we try to do that in a number of different ways. I mean, like, I, without giving too many spoiler, spoilers away, like we look into things like the contactee idea that, you know, men like George Adamski that began sprouting up in the 50s, we sort of have a, an episode that's a bit inspired by his accounts, you know, these other sort of elements that are connected and were a part of the culture and the sort of UFO milieu of that time.
1: Wow. That, see, that's that's when, you know, that you that we know that you guys did your research. Because I know someone like Adamski, like, I think the FBI had almost 100 pages on this guy. Like, oh, it's yeah. crazy. Oh, like,
2: oh, yeah. Adamski, I mean, geez, I, honestly, there could be a whole, like, Movie or series on like a skin. I mean, he's fascinating. The Soviets allegedly tried to like recruit him yeah. at one point to like. I mean, there's all kinds of different things. The the British were really interested in him as well. Um, you know, there's a, yeah, he's a fascinating character. So we we take a small chapter from his life and kind of look into it look into that in one of our episodes but it's a it's a wonderful episode and you know and that's it comes later in the season but i'm excited for it cool
1: well i gotta ask this is kind of a listener question dave um yeah one of our listeners was wondering um the shout out to donald kehoe in the first season i that really surprised a lot of us and we were like yes finally one of us is on television besides um yeah is that something we can expect in season two but
2: Ki- Kehoe is wonderful. I, yeah. I, uh, I don't want to, you know, and I actually love the actor who played Kehoe uh, as well. He did such a great job. Kehoe is somebody who we, I guess I'll say that, like, we didn't quite find a place for this season, mm-hmm. but that does not mean that he, Kehoe was, was a major figure all the way through. And I, and I will say this, if we're fortunate enough enough to be able to tell some more Stories in our world here. Uh, we already have some ideas for him. So it, he, because he was he was huge. He was he was a huge influential character in the 50s and wrote some incredible books and was a huge whistleblower in many respects. So. A a real figure worthy of, you know, I'm I'm so excited that we I have his books on my shelf, and I'm just excited that we got to like get him in there at all. Yeah. But I'd love to get him back, you know, I really would, because he's, you know, he's a big piece of this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's one of our heroes for sure besides Haynick, but um yep. sort of uh sort of in the same vein of that Dave. Um I noticed a couple easter eggs in the Roswell episode, like a certain oh, sure. bourbon bottle. I won't give that away. <laughs> um also the front page of a newspaper again. I, I don't want to spoil too much, but can we expect sort of more of these little uh nods yes. to the UFO community? Yes. Yeah.
2: Whenever I love easter eggs, so whenever I whenever I get on set, I try to there's some stuff even in East, in season 1 where but like Mimi and and Joel are playing Scrabble and either the first or second episode and Heine comes home. I think it's the first episode and like, if you freeze frame the the you know the the, the Scrabble board table, it, it says things like you know like mystery and conspiracy and oh, cool. you know things like that. But like yeah, I mean we we yes the the bourbon the bourbon thing is definitely a great Easter egg for us. That was a lot of fun to actually. Uh, and, you know I, I don't know if I should spoil it or have people look for it, but basically the name the brand of the bourbon it holds a significance in UFO history and and i think anybody familiar with it will immediately get the
1: reference yeah we'll leave it at that for sure yeah
3: <laughs> i'm nick the host of the ufo chronicles podcast with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained covering ufos cryptids conspiracies and the paranormal real people real encounters succumb so with us on the journey into the unknown UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. Yeah. <laughs> Well, a lot
1: has happened in between seasons of your show in terms of, like, real-life UFO world stuff, you know, including info on the Navy UFO incidents, even this Storm Area 51 thing. Oh, I know. It's been crazy. It's insane, dude. So do you pay attention to stuff like this? Does it it bleed into your show at all when you're writing?
2: Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm not kidding. Ten minutes before I hopped on the phone with you, I was telling my buddy who was not that aware of, like, you know, all, you know the the Nimitz case and all those all those videos, those sort of fighter jet videos that have come out of ATIP. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling him, I'm like, yeah, man, there was a Project Blue Book 2.0, like inside the Defense Department at the Pentagon. And the U.S. Navy now admits, not only that, and what's so fascinating is the U.S. Navy now has done a few things. Not only does it, like the most powerful Navy on the planet I admit that admits military training exercises, things were flying in the sky that they chased and evaded their fighter jets, and they have no idea what they are. They also admit that like those videos were never meant for public consumption because it's an ongoing mystery. And they, they felt that releasing them would be a threat to national security. And now they've also changed their whole policy on, on how they report UFOs and all that kind of stuff. So it's, oh yeah, I love, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I, given just my Google search history, I get bombarded (laughs) with almost every, every article that comes out. I also just follow a fair amount of, ufo folks on social media and get to you know people i've met at ufo conferences and things like that so Mm -hmm. it's 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 i i love being up to date on current stuff and then when there is a current event or a current theory or something sometimes we can find ways to actually be like well did any of this stuff exist in the 50s or did any of these ideas exist in the 50s and a lot of times we do find that oh no there were that's actually he was piggybacking off this other guy's work, who was picking off this other guy's work. That guy could be somebody we feature in the show. So we we try to do we try to do our diligence there of whatever's happening in the present day. Can we can we find its source and 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 put it in in the past? You know, we can't always do it, but. When we can, we we try, you know?
1: Right. And I know in your promotions and stuff that we're going to be visiting a uh, top secret installation too, which I know you guys, you uh, actually wrote this before all that Storm Area 51 We did. yes. So the
2: area, oh yeah, Area 51, of course. And that was part of your question. So forgive me. Yes. That, all all that Storm Area 51 stuff came. We were already going to Area 51. We felt, you know, it was, it it began to be built in the 1950s and we felt, oh yeah, we have to. We're going to Roswell. We got to go to Area 51 <laughs> as well, and <laughs> um, and then all that storm P- Area 51 stuff happened. And you know, I honestly I was sort of of two minds about it. I was, um, I listen. I understand everybody's desire to want to know what's really going on in there. I want to know what's really going on in there, and I think we do have a right to know. But I was worried that people were going to get hurt, or that there was going to be. It, it, I, I was worried that it was that it could go really south, and I and I'm really glad that it didn't. <laughs> um, even though it didn't get us any closer to answers, nobody got hurt. And I think that's the most important thing, but yeah, that was one of those things too, where we were like, Oh man, like we're going to area 51. There's a storm area. Like, you know, but and you in your mind goes through all the questions. Like, do we try to capitalize on this? Do we, right. but I, we ended up sort of not really because we just weren't sure what it was going to end up looking like. And also just, it's like, uh, people know what area 51 is. I think that's enough. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's uh, we do get you know with you know we certainly we, we go inside and we you know we and listen I mean I all the stuff with Bob Lazar is fascinating to me and and I think some people you know without saying too much I think people will see some nods to some of the things that he claims okay. um, and you know while still kind of doing our own version our you know of what. Of what that base is and you know through the lens of what our how our show can do it which is always a tricky thing because we kind of have to walk that tightrope between you know is something paranormal and extraordinary happening here or is there an earthly explanation and we try to we always try to kind of present both sides because we know that you know it's really up to the viewers to decide not only with our show which is of course just a piece of drama But even with the phenomenon itself, you know, I mean, I hope that not only do we have UFO believers, but also skeptics watching our show. And then I hope that it inspires them to go back and look at the case and be like, huh, what do I think? Do I think the Lubbock lights was a flash of, you know, it was like birds or (laughs) do I believe the astronomy professors who were like, no, it was like a V shaped formation in the sky, like of lights that we can't explain.
1: Absolutely, man, and I'm I'm so happy to see that the uh, History Channel is doing these sort of addendums after your episodes again, where they tell like the actual case that your episodes yes. inspired by. Um, I think these are so important and so So important, yeah.
2: One of the the show was always conceived with those in mind. I mean, I'm not kidding. Even in the when they before they bought the spec pilot, I was brought in for like a meeting where they just had they had a couple of ideas and they sort of wanted to like float a few things by me and I, um, I pitched this idea that I am, especially cause it was history that after the show we, you know, we should do a, like to, to learn more about the real life case, or can we do like a, a little segment and that kind of a thing. And only in later did I realize just how important it was it, for, at the time. I just thought oh, it would be really cool. It would drive people to do their own research and stuff like that. But I also think it does something else for us, which is I hope that it draws a very clear line in the sand between like our show which is a dramatization and a scripted series, and in no way a documentary from the from the the cases that inspire our show and the real life ingredients and events um, and the historical events that inspire our show, so that people can always go back afterwards and be like, oh my god, oh they took that from there, or, that's what really happened, or this is that. So that that's hopefully some of the fun. In watching the show is that they get to do the deep dive afterward. That's one of the joys for me. Is honestly, like I I, I live tweet the show when it airs on the East Coast, and usually what I'm doing, I drop like you know when I can think of some funny stuff, behind the scenes stuff, I drop that as well, or a little anecdotes about production or things of that nature. But even the more fun thing for me is just being like. That, you know, this is what really happened or if you want to learn more about this, look up look up this book or, you know, look up this fact or, you know, little insider stuff just to help feed that conversation because that's what I hope the show does. You know, I hope the show broadens the conversation about UFOs, makes it more mainstream, makes it less a subject of ridicule, makes it something that people can be like, oh, my God, like these cases really happened and this has been going on for a long, long time. I mean, since the ATIP stuff has come out, I've definitely – It's it's for the first I know that there's a bit of a a changing in the tide because I know for the first time people I have friends who have always because I'm the you know, I'm the guy at like three in the morning, like, you know, telling people like for years, decades, I mean, you know, as, as far back as I can remember talking about this stuff. And. Now I'm starting to get, you know, it's it's a new thing when I'm getting hit up with, like, emails or calls and people are like, wait, is this for real, dude? Mm -hmm. Like, wait a second. O'Leary, is all this stuff you were, like, ranting about back then, is this, is some of this true? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, man, that's why, that's why I've been so excited about it, you know? So (laughs) it's sort of. You know, it's it's nice that the show is hitting at the same time that I do think there's a little bit of a shift in the national consciousness about this and in in the very sort of sober minded, you know, military world and sort of like things kind of beginning to change to some degree um, with regards to this stuff.
1: I think so. And, you know. Say what you will about things meaning to happen or meant to be. But I do think, you know, between all the A-Tip revelations and Project Blue Book, like, either it was the most genius business marketing (laughs) scheme of all time or, like, you guys, you did. You tapped into a time in history where – UFOs are on the minds of more people than I think ever before so yes yeah. for more than that um,
2: absolutely and and definitely not a product of anything we did it, it just like we just kind of hit struck right when these things were happening you know and yep. it was if it wasn't gonna be us I guess it was going to be someone else in the aftermath of it but it was nice to kind of be just a little ahead of it and that we you know, I think it was the second day of production when they when they dropped that when the New York Times front page story dropped the the news about ATIP. And I, think we were, you're right, I mean, yes. it stopped production. It was like, what? <laughs> you know, and I was like, yeah. Oh, my God. I, mean, I wasn't like, yeah, I had no idea, obviously. Yeah. But I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, you know, and then I got worried that like. I mean, honestly, I was like, oh, my God, It's like, is disclosure – this, of course, is where my mind goes for a second. I was like, is disclosure going to happen? And wait, how is that going to affect the show? That's a very valid concern. <laughs> is that going to ruin the show?
1: If we find out that aliens exist or UFOs are extraterrestrial, like, is your job done? I'm like, maybe. Right. But <laughs> right. I don't, I don't know. know. I think – I honestly think, yes, maybe we now know that. But, dude, you know as well as I do, there's going to be a zillion more questions coming after – that one, yeah, so that
2: will just be the beginning of this whole new era. And I it's like we're almost there. It's like, you know, almost half the country accepts that this is happening. Yeah. You know, and it's like there'll be a tipping point where it's sort of undeniable.
1: I can I could taste it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. I got just a couple more here, David. That's sure. cool, my man. Yeah, oh, of Awesome. Course. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Um of course, is there anytime, Ryan. I, I think I heard you talk about this in another interview, but do you had did you go into season two with like sort of an overall theme of what you really wanted to uh to get across? Um yeah. or was it just a little of everything? A little of everything,
2: but definitely we we you know, you know, and Sean Sean elegant elegant eloquently says this and I'm and I'm piggybacking off him a little bit but I think he's absolutely right that like season one in some regards was was strictly about the mystery in the sky although of course we do explore the the conspiracy to some degree but I think this season we delve as much into the the conspiracy on the ground you know we introduced this new element of the CIA and this is all rooted in history and how the CIA and the U.S. Air Force started to vie for control over the UFO issue um, and how different Factions of our own government. We wouldn't necessarily share information with each other and wanted to be at the forefront of this because they knew that it could change the world. So we delve as not like, you know, we're still every week we got like a cool case and every week, you know, we're, we're dealing with UFOs and mysterious events. And, and in many respects, I think we pushed some of that stuff even further. But we also open the sh- now that we've laid the groundwork of like what the show is now we sort of you know we open it up to these larger how does the conspiracy work? how deep does it go? You know we start to try to answer questions that we didn't answer in season one, like who exactly is uh unseen or as some people have called him like the fixer. I saw that online for a while or mm, the man yeah. with the hat um Ian Tracy, I call him he's a friend he's wonderful, the actor who plays. Okay. Plays, uh, who plays? Who plays on scene? So we try to delve into some of that stuff as well, and and really start to try to answer question. You know, what was that mysterious artifact that that he has Heinicke steal from from uh, a governmental yeah. base in Episode Six? <laughs> what 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 is the purpose of this mysterious um, you know obelisk in Antarctica? Well, you know, these are things that we have not forgotten about our mythology. We take really seriously. So yeah, cool. our deeper sort of our deeper sort of Easter eggs kind of, you know, mystery questions, the symbol, all that stuff is, it ain't, ain't going anywhere. And if anything, hopefully going deeper, um, you know, we delve into a little bit of MK ultra, a little yeah. bit of psychic, psychic espionage, you know, we, 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 delve into some very sort of interesting other paranormal areas that all sort of connects to this larger, phenomena of
1: unidentified flying objects oh yeah i know exactly what you're talking about but uh, we'll have to (laughs) let the viewers see that when it happens but um that's so cool man yeah and i personally want to know what the hell those numbers are that that kid is saying at the end of every episode oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) so you better answer that this season oh yeah the
2: numbers the numbers (laughs) oh yes yes oh yeah we're getting there man we are getting there
1: awesome well Dave, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this, my man. Um, I know that you my live, pleasure. you live tweet these episodes, which is so rare and so cool for a creator to do that. Um, oh,
2: thanks! So, man. where can we where I, can we
1: find that? Yeah.
2: Sure. um, Yes, I'm on Twitter at David E. O'Leary. So it's just uh, my name, but just with my middle initial, which is E. So David E. O'Leary on Instagram. You know, I also try to share like we have some wonderful fans who share who who create fan art for the show. And I'm like, I collect everything for the show. I mean, I'm not kidding. I go to like the prop. I have like Roswell wreckage in my office. Like I have, you know, I got the I-beam like on my desk. Um, You know, I try to collect all this stuff because it's just it's. Listen, it's for me. I'm just like I'm like a fan and and a UFO buff like everyone else who just got fortunate that I got to create a show that about something I love. So it's 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 one of those things where I'm like, okay, I have to hand it. I have to it's almost like I got to hand on to, you know, hang on to all the tangible evidence I can that this thing that this unidentified Thing called the show really happened. You
1: know what I mean? <laughs> before your memories wiped clean, right? The before my black. memories
2: wiped, and nobody believes me and discredits me and throws me in prison, right? Um, <laughs> you never had a show. What you, are you talking about, you lunatic? But yes, yeah. So please, you know, I, I hope you know, you know. I definitely encourage folks to follow me. I love hearing feedback. You know what I mean? I I read it all. You know, maybe I shouldn't, but I read the good with the bad, and I do. I do try to you know, I do, I do try to soak it all in and I, and I get, you know, I always, I have a deep respect for the history for it. And, you know, and I understand the, you know, the, the, the deep sort of quote unquote purist, you know, Mm -hmm. UFO historians as well. And, you know, we are no way trying to ever confuse or muddle those issues We're we're in fact trying to take those ingredients and bring them to a mass audience and then guide them back to looking at the real life stuff and that's what i always encourage our fans to do i'm like you want to know more like i love doing the deep dive on our like, our fun easter eggs and all that kind of stuff but it's also like you know i can give you guys a zillion books like if somebody asks me what books are you reading i will tell them you know <laughs> like you wait for Roswell, I would check out Witness to Roswell and the day after Roswell. Those are two wonderful books worth checking out. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and, and for each case, we have those sort of great primary resources that I think are grounded and sober and wonderful. So,
1: uh, tell me about it, man. I'm literally bringing home one, two, three, four, five. I'm looking at them right now. Eight. Boxes of UFO books from my apartment in New York City, bringing them back to my parents in upstate New York because they just don't fit here. It's New York. Uh, Our apartments (laughs) are like the size of a closet. I don't know what I was thinking. Oh, man. Well, you know, we have like a growing
2: library in our writer's office, which is like, it's getting to be a really great collection. You know, we got a lot of different stuff. Oh, yeah. I, took, <laughs> I, I had the pleasure of seeing Paul Heineck the other night at an event he threw for the for a screening for the first episode, which was wonderful. He did a whole presentation on the real life Heineck, by the way, it was oh, like awesome. the most incredible PowerPoint presentation I've ever seen. But while I was there, uh, you know, somebody gave me a book that is really interesting that I hadn't heard of. So um yeah I, I love getting that stuff i just add it to the shelf and i'm like i hope i
1: get to it yep know? yep always learning i love it man yeah, <laughs> yeah well absolutely. guys you can catch project blue book on tuesdays at 10 9 central on the history channel and be sure to follow dave on twitter um also follow at history blue book where they retweet really? your live tweets too and um that's it my man thank you yeah dave so much thanks for coming ryan back. i
2: i appreciate it man and anytime dude you need anything love 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 talking to you and uh yeah, man, we'll talk soon, I'm sure.
1: Yes, we'll talk again when Season 3 happens.
2: Oh. Knock on wood. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, from your lips, man, from your lips. I, I love know, it. I hope I so, know. man. I hope so.
1: <laughs> That's it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed our Project Blue Book Doubleheader with Paul Hynek and David O'Leary. If you want a more accurate portrayal in terms of historical context and uncanny research... I have to recommend the amazing biography by Mark O'Connell, titled The Close Encounters Man, How One Man Made the World Believe in UFOs. I had the immense pleasure of interviewing the author when the book first came out, and it was an absolutely fascinating conversation. Go all the way back to episode 10 of "Someone in the Skies to listen. Please take a few moments to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, your Android apps, or wherever you get podcasts. It helps us gain visibility and find new listeners. Also, share the show with a friend. You never know what story they may have to tell. Follow us on Twitter at Somewhere Skies and Instagram at Somewhere Skies Pod. Over 50 bonus episodes await you over on Patreon. To learn more and to become a patron, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Find out what I've been up to, read a ton of UFO articles, and contact me personally through the official website, somewhereintheskies.com. I'm also taking submissions right now for an upcoming volume of Witness Accounts. So if you want to tell your UFO story in your own words, this is an amazing opportunity to get your story out to the public and help normalize the topic of UFOs. Use the contact tab on the website to discuss further with me. Thanks to Kirby Dixon at History, the E1 Podcast Network, and especially to you for listening. I'll see you here next week, and remember keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies.
0: Somewhere in the skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus,